Welcome to our house with one of Australia's leading auctioneers, Rod Amos, and buyer's agent, Matt Sharp. And now for your dose of information and observation about real estate across the nation. Let's go live to your host, the voice of the National Rugby League, Steve Allen. Episode 51 of the Our House podcast, and the boys are alongside me, Rod Amos from Urban and Coastal Real Estate, as we always say, he's one of the world's best auctioneers. Rodney, good morning to you. Good morning, Steve, and glorious morning. Good morning, Matt. You've um, been working out the carve a bit this morning, I hear. How many Ks did you write on Sunday? Yeah, um, training for for a big uh, event that we have coming up, a fundraising um, cycle event. So I did 100 on Sunday um, and then spent the morning trying to tame a couple of the Central Coast biggest hills. The Italian Alps in Terrigal for Matt this morning, <laughs> up and down Charles K and all the other tough ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a glorious morning to be out on the bike. Nothing better, really. Hey, tell us more about the fundraiser. Um, look, it's a fundraiser um, uh, through an organisation called Magic Ride. Um, cycle through the Yass Valley and Canberra. Um, it's happening in the middle of April. Yeah, it's spread across four days. I think there's around 25 or so riders and the charities for kids that have um, had uh, lost their parents. So um, very um, obviously worthwhile cause. Um, and look, uh, to be honest, when I signed up for it, it was over drinks at a Christmas party. <laughs> um, but as I'm starting to learn more about this cycling game, um, you've got to be super fit. You've got to have all the right equipment. And I'm starting to learn this thing called elevation, um, which can absolutely um, you know, have a major impact on your, on your ride. So um, just as an example, uh, the ride that we have coming up in April, um, it's it's – over 500 kilometres in, in distance, but it's 5,500 metres of elevation, which means there's a significant amount of hill climbs in the ride. Um, and everyone I speak to uh, that knows a bit of stuff about cycling <laughs> says, oh, I need to make sure I'm training. So, so I'm a little bit worried about it. Your Wamberal's version of Cadell Evans or Miguel Indurain. <laughs> i tell you where you need to go, and a lot of the cyclists do it all the time, is pie in the sky. Do that ride down on the Hawkesbury. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful through there. Absolutely beautiful. Um, what I've noticed though on the Central Coast is it's not overly suitable to be riding a bike. Um, there's not a lot of shoulder space and no. there's a lot of tradies getting around as well. Yeah. They're, not, they're not that happy in the morning. Agro? A little bit aggro. Yeah, I usually get one beep a morning and I'm up pretty <laughs> no, but early. It's literally appalling the fact that I don't want to be sharing the road with somebody else. Isn't it? Like yeah. that attitude in the Central Coast, for those listening around Australia and worldwide, we are not the best disposed as far as cycleways on the coast. Probably about the worst region mm. I can think of in Australia. Mm. Yeah. Hey, boys, uh, Brad Rogers coming up soon. So he's one of our favourite guests. Uh, he's about to head off to the US and Canada on a family holiday. So we really appreciate his time. And commercial rod flying at the moment look it certainly is one thing we'll discuss with brad too it's not strictly commercial but everybody's heard of obviously the oaks hotel at neutral bay yeah um, love the oaks hotel <laughs> yes everybody loves the oaks hotel in fact they love it to the extent that it just sold for over 150 million dollars so somebody told me there's not money in beer and entertainment and hospitality and a, a few pokies over $150 million. Wow, wow, wow. Hey, boys, before we get to Brad Rogers, in fact, I might even bring this up when we talk to him, but uh, what caught my eye this week is the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. I mean, that is enormous rot. Have you, have you followed this? No, I haven't. In fact, Steve, I'm going to have to admit to everybody it's the first I've heard of it. 
Yeah, right. I mean, it, it's just huge. I think it's the first time in about 15 years that a bank in the US has gone under. And we're talking hundreds of billions of dollars. And, and it's not a crypto bank. It is a no, real... So these are the guys that are set up to help, you know, fledgling tech businesses. And some of those businesses became some of the biggest in the world. And there's enormous loyalty to Silicon Valley Bank. I want to talk to Brad about whether there'll be a ripple effect. And as you imagine, probably taking some big names down with it in that location and with the kind of funding that it's had. Rod, you got the SQM numbers? I do. Now, look, it's eased a little bit in some areas, but the pressure is certainly on through Sydney and Melbourne. Brisbane itself is still very tight, 0.8%. The two that have improved has been there's an improvement in Canberra, Hobart and Darwin, for instance, Darwin's up to only 1.4. But when we're talking about it, the maximum figure I see here is Canberra at 1.8% vacancy, Matt. We should still, as I say, be saying 5 to 6. So the, it is crisis point. We've discussed it each and every one. It goes ad infinitum, but it doesn't seem to be improvement happening out there, Matt. Yeah, and there won't be any relief anytime soon unless there's a whole bunch of new accommodation coming up. So, um, yeah, this is going to be a long road, I think, back to kind of normal. Sydney, the most expensive uh, to rent for houses, no surprises there. The cheapest Sharpie, you'll find this interesting, units in Adelaide. And um, I think what, what you'll see just with the differences between houses and units with rent is typically the houses will, will increase um, quite quickly and then there'll be a, be a little bit of a lag effect and then you'll see the units start to creep up as well. So um, it's an interesting market. Keep an eye on, on the unit prices uh, for rentals in Adelaide. And the reason why I say that is because I know from a housing standpoint in Adelaide, some of the tightest markets for rentals in the country, they have vacancy rates of around 0.1, 0 0.2%, meaning there's basically nothing available. So what happens is once the houses start to become um, you know, uh, too expensive for, for renters, then they look for a, an alternative and typically that alternative is, is a unit. Hey, you've said on this show and also your own podcast that you look for houses in great locations. Have you ever... Look for a unit. Not really. Duplex? Uh, uh, look, yeah. If we're buying units, we try and buy the whole lot, um, the whole block. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't a space to, to buy high-quality units in blue-chip locations for sure, um, but I think it's really important to make sure that you get the get the land first, get the best location you can afford first, and also making sure that it has a healthy cash flow component to it as well. And then once you have those foundations, then you can start to look at more blue-chip locations with, with units and whatnot. And I think if you're going to buy a unit, it's got to be in a small boutique con complex. Don't buy anything off the plan. Certainly don't buy anything with gyms and spas and you know five lifts and gardeners and all that sort of stuff because the reason is because the strata is so high. So that obviously impacts your holding costs. So um, yeah, that's kind of my, my philosophies on it. Hey, what caught your eye? What caught my eye was something um, that I reckon Rod might be in the market for. It's the Sheridan Grand Mirage, which hit the market. This is in the Gold Coast, by the way. $200 million price tag. Um, obviously, it's a staple on, on the Goldie. Um, but yeah, I, I know Rod's probably just scratching around his sock drawer to see if he's got enough <laughs> money to buy it. But Mate, look, I've look, cycled past it every single time I'm on the Gold Coast each day. Yeah, um, Great location, but as I say, extraordinary. We were just talking about the Oaks Hotel, over 150 million we're looking at 200 million plus on that um, let's hope they find a little bit easier than the clan in Terrigal which for those not familiar with the area is the oldest still freestanding ho uh, mo hotel or motel let's say in Terrigal that's still been on the market after coming on 
I think October, November last year. Mm. I see actually pretty good value for the clan, for the right buyer. Um, I think there's a huge opportunity there. And if you know the area, you'd probably agree because you can see in that Terrigal shortlet holiday market, you've obviously got, um, you know, the Crown Plaza, which is the only one. Um, And then outside of that, you've got a handful of Airbnbs. Star of the Sea. Yes, Star of the Sea, um, and and they're obviously all quite expensive. I think the clan offers a, an opportunity for the right buyer for sure. Just refresh our listeners. Uh, what's the ballpark figure? I think it's around six mil, six and a half mil. Yes. What caught your eye, Rod? Look, really, the fact that <laughs> let's go back to interest rates. I did actually take the uh, it was standing up for the RBA going back earlier this year, and then we get the figures that have come out. Some have been available <laughs> end of last year but it's all been rolled out. The cause of inflation is basically value of good services and all going up, isn't it? That's, that's, that's it. And, and the Reserve Bank has been trying to combat it by utilising the Australian mortgage holder, but the figures that have come out is that 69% of the pressures on inflation are from the profits being recorded by businesses. So we, we, we look at the healthy economy as, OK, how healthy are our businesses? But the point is that they are the ones that are raking the inflation and two-thirds of the pressure that's being put upon interest rates by the RBA to fight it is corporate profit, not we, the, the, the consumer spending. It's the money and the profits being recorded by the businesses out there. Wow. Yeah, yeah. interesting. 69%. I think families are really concerned at the moment. They've tightened their belts, but that reinforces that data that's come out. Well, the point is they're tightening their belts so it seems to be working and certainly that's not going to offset what's happening in the corporate world. But the news we're getting is is very confidently it's probably going to be one more rate rise. There's a couple of the other banks, NAB, for instance, I believe Westpac came, came out this week and last week and was saying that they are actually confident that we might start to see by the end of the year uh, interest rates come back down again. Now, that's an early forecast. When you've got two of the major hitters out there forecasting mm-hmm. that, I think we're confident there's probably only one more interest rate. Left. Yeah. I would love to track – let's track down an economist that can kind of just dumb it down for, for us three <laughs> and, and our listeners just to how it all works because it's, it's quite interesting. And I'm not an economist, just but some of my observations are – Okay, so obviously the government plays a major role in in inflation and how how the economy's going. They flooded the economy with with funds over the last two years, and they encourage people to spend. Everyone spent, and now they're like, "Oh, wait, there we need to pull back." So now they're pulling back and increasing interest rates, and now the banks are, are, are the only beneficiaries to that. So the average household might be, you know. Their, their interest uh, sorry their mortgage repayments have gone up 100 200 400 500 dollars per week um and those profits and the, that money's literally going straight to the bank so the banks are going to have a healthy um profit or even healthier profit than what they have in the last 12 years i uh, sorry last few years um and the people that suffer are the people in the economy so your butcher your baker your restaurants your retail stores so 
I don't know. It just seems so top heavy to me. It's uh, uh, yeah, and it, like I said, it just comes with a bit of a caveat. Here. I'm definitely not an expert, but Look, for me, I'm just like, what? It's a balancing act. But I still get down to the fact that the only control the government and via the RBA has over inflation rates is what they do with interest rates. So, despite the fact that the corporates are reaping in huge profits because of this and adding the inflationary pressures, there's only one way to co- combat it really, and that is to vary interest rates to suit what the economy is doing. So, in in three years' time. And then what happens, let's just say the, the banks have had, you know, huge profits over the last couple of years because of these increasing interest rates and they've recouped a lot of the money that they lent out. Do they then start to say, okay, um, we've reached these KPIs, we're happy to now lend at a lower rate because we've already met our profits? Like how, well, how the does it then get circled but back the to RBA us? will have to then control interest rates again and as I say, the, with the forecast – possibly by end of year and into next year, interest rates coming back down again, that's still working with it. But as you say, the banks continue to profit, but it's up to you as to where you bank. If you don't want to bank with someone like that, you can probably get a better interest mortgage rate somewhere else. So it's up to yourself as consumer. We all have the ability. The funny thing is when we're talking about all of this is how many pe- how few people have actually gone through and looked at what improvements they can make on their current lender. Mm. Now, lots of people have been locked in, so obviously that prevents them. But... You know what it's like, Matt. People are loath to make a change, even though potentially they can save money doing it. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. I just mean, and money always finds its way, right? So, like, if you get paid a thousand dollars a week and you're used to spending eight hundred dollars of that a week, regardless if it's at the cafe or on a new shirt or you know on a restaurant or whatever, it always finds its way out of your bank account. And in most cases, now instead of it going to those. Um, smaller businesses like what I'm saying it's, it's still just going to find its way out of your bank account however it's just going to go straight back to the bank so um, yeah I don't know I, I, I really feel for people out there that, that have the small businesses and hospitality and the retail space um, you know because ultimately they you know the government kind of wants us to stop spending money there <laughs> so Boys, uh, just before we go to Brad Rogers, and we'll do that in just a couple of minutes, uh, one more final thing that caught my eye, and I'll do this quickly. Have we followed George Lucas opening the museum in southern Los Angeles? Mr. George Lucas. Yeah, it's costing a billion dollars, and it caught my eye because it's been delayed yet again. They don't think it'll be finished until 2025. It was meant to open this year. Is it a museum of movie memorabilia or what? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like They've explained a couple of reasons why it's been delayed, but it's also a gift to Los Angeles and to California. So it's not being built with public money. And it's costing a billion dollars. And it's being paid for by Hollywood, I take it. No, it's being paid for by George Lucas and his team and his investors. So not a cent is being spent by California. There is some speculation that it might become a white elephant because of where it's located. But it's right near the Coliseum. It's not far from USC, University of Southern California. Uh, The architecture looks incredible. It looks like something out of Star Wars. On top is uh, like an architect has designed a garden. So it's got, I think it's a living garden. I want to see what the bar in there looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And uh, I think I saw a quote saying that there's not one straight line in the entire building. So push back to 2025, but I I guess it'll be a must visit next time you're in L.A. I think I'd have to put that on one of the definite hits. I can't see that being a white elephant, can you, Matt? No, no. no. All right, let's do it. Let's get to Brad Rogers, one of our favourite guests. Rod, we'll hand over to you with the intro. All right, well, Brad's been part of the panel for a number of years, both radio and the podcast too. So Brad heads up Rain and Horn Commercial Central Coast. But 
The thing with the commercial network is, as you probably noticed, Matt, as well, too, there's a lot more interaction between agents. So Brad works with some of the bigger ones in Sydney. In fact, he's been chasing them up for a bit of information about what's happening both in the capital cities and Australia-wide. So he's a man that's got his finger not only in the local market, but is working close with some of the biggest hitters out there in the commercial world Australia-wide. So, Brad, good morning. You're on the way down to the airport with lovely Naomi, and welcome back to the show this morning. Thank you, Rod. Yeah, it's a beautiful day to be heading down there, and so far, so good with the traffic. Brad, you're escaping what has turned out to be the Indian summer here. We have the most beautiful autumn happening, and you're off to somewhat colder climbs. We are, yeah, over to um, San Fran and, uh, and then up through up into the ice and the snow up in Canada. So, um, yeah, for a couple of weeks, and we'll go and thaw out in Hawaii on the way back. So, um, uh, a short trip, but very enjoyable. So, a southern visitor to the Northern Lights. Correct. That sounds awesome, mate. Have you been over there before? Uh, not only to Hawaii. We haven't been to we haven't been to sort of Seattle, San Fran, or uh, through Canada. So, no, very excited. And um, uh, as Matt's heard before, I'm very yeah. You know, one of the big things for me is going to the ice hockey. So, yeah, can't wait. Yeah, I tell you, we're envious. Uh, which team will you go and watch? I'm an Oilers fan, so I'm an Edmonton fan, but I don't get to watch them. I'm going to watch the the LA Kings play the Seattle Kraken at Seattle. So um, they're both towards the top of the division, so it should be a really good game. How good. Very, very jealous, mate. I hope you have a fantastic trip. And down in San Fran, is it is it Fisherman's Wharf? Is that where you, where you hang about down there? Mate, I recommend just hiring a bike and just going through the, the Fisherman's Wharf area. A couple of good food spots there, a couple of beers, I've seen some so San Francisco. If you want to do a hill climb and be there, what, what are you talking to this guy about? Yeah, what is it, Lombardi? Is it Lombardi Hill there? Is yeah, that what the it's huge one down to the water. Yeah, yeah. But, but how good, how good. How's things in the in the commercial space, mate? What's been happening out there? Yeah, there's, um, look, there's still a little bit happening out there. It's, um, yeah, there's different... Uh, paces in the markets, that's for sure. So each time I've been on, I've, I've let you know how industrial's been going and it, it seems as strong as ever. Um, the commercial markets are, are softening and um, we're definitely seeing some, you know, uh, investment stock is, you know, just coming to the market with people sort of resetting their, their expectations of both from the purchasers end and the and the vendors end. So um, it's still still things happening, just a, a little bit of a different pace in the commercial markets, the investments you know, locally. But we're seeing it um, nationally. We've been uh, following a few trends, and, and Rod did ask me to make sure I was up to speed with some of it. And it, it seems that the, the Central Coast is sort of reflecting the, the, you know, the larger market as well. Mm. Now, I was supposed to be doing auction for you on Tuesday. You did me out of that one because you had the sale across the line on Friday. Somebody jumped the starter's gun. They did. Yeah, it was a, a good result. Um, 1.75 million, so 6.25% return for a little position. A lot of the locals would know at Narara where the, the Bottolo and the convenience store is. Um, so nice nice little property and um, you know, new, new long-term leases. And, um, you know, Michael Hansen, who joined our team only nine weeks ago, was on it with me and, um, yeah, did a great job, you know, working that program through and working with the purchasers. And, um, yeah, we got – so, uh, sorry, Rod, we didn't get to see you. Traditionally, and you mentioned 6.25% yield. Traditionally, you know, most people have been chasing high yields circa 7% in that commercial space. And over recent years, just with the low interest rate levels, you know, certainly investors have dropped their standards there. And you you said earlier um, people are starting to reset their expectations – 
what are you kind of seeing as a common trend now for investors around uh, their expectations with a percentage yield now? Are they saying, you know, it needs to start with a six in front of it? Are they still chasing that seven now? Because obviously in the last six to, you know, nine months, we've seen an increase in interest rates and typically people are, you know, calculating their cash flow position to their ingoings and their outgoings, especially in the commercial space. So where's kind of that line in the sand now? Really well put, mate. That's exactly what they're doing. So this one was six two five, and that was that was bang on where we expected it to be um, for this this type of asset. Um, if it had shorter term leases or the terms weren't quite so strong, I, I think the you know, the assessment would have been it had to be a seven percent. But it still comes down to the strength of the leases and the and the quality of the property. So if if those match up, we're definitely still getting you know the the low sixes to mid sixes. But anything that's a bit softer in quality, position, location or tenancy, you're 100% right. They're, they're starting to look for sevens and seven plus. Yeah, nice. And mate, just explain just quickly um, to our listeners what strength of the lease means, you know, um, just just elaborate on that a little bit more, maybe just three or five of, the, of some important um, factors for people to look out for. Yeah, of course. So, so strength of the lease, number number one is the quality of the tenant. So if, if you've got a startup business that has never been in business before, and they've been in business three months and someone's saying they're selling the property, you, you really haven't got a track record. Whereas this one, I mean, one side was uh, underpinned by the Bottolo, who'd been there nearly 20 years, and obviously Bottolo owned by Metcash and, and people in the, the Australia liquor markets. Um, you don't get much stronger tenure than that. So, you know, it's someone that you know when you buy it, the rent's going to continue to turn up um, and you don't have that issue of, am I chasing the rent or is my property manager chasing the rent for me every week and, and am I going to have any problems? Um, secondly is obviously the, the length of the lease. So if it's only got a 12-month or less uh, term left, there's a chance that tenant may look to move, whereas if it's a longer term, you know, you, can, you can't quite set and forget, but you know that you can, you know, put the queue in the rack for a little while and go, right, I've got a five-year term. I know that tenant's safe. We can, we can keep going. And then also the conditions on the lease, whether there's annual increases, uh, how strong the security is behind it, whether there's bank guarantees or whether there's security deposits and how much that is. So the, the more security there is behind the lease and the, the stronger the tenant, that's, that's what gives you a lot of confidence to purchase. Yeah, great answer. I've just got a quick question for Sharpies. So if you're getting over 6% in the commercial space, what about for residential investments? Now, I think you'd happily walk away with 5% or maybe even less depending on where it is. Can you give us an answer on that? Yeah, it just depends on the type of property that you're looking for, the, t- the type of commercial space that you're looking for. I would say residential, you know, you should kind of be, depending on your deposit, but you should kind of be shooting for something around 4.75% and above. That means that it's basically going to give you a healthy cash flow in return. Um, and not only that, you know, you're going to be able to hopefully take some advantage of some capital uplift. So capital growth as well. With commercial, uh, you know, exactly like, you know, Brad just was, was chatting about shoot for that kind of 6% as a bit of a, as a line in the sand. However, you can probably be a little bit flexible on that depending on the tenant, depending on the strength of the lease, which he just obviously dropped a fair bit of gold there as well. So typically you'll see medical spaces, you know, they might lease, uh, have yields at, you know, around 5.5%. And again, um, if they have a long 
uh, term in place um, and also they have quite um, strong ties to the community and whatnot you know you're happy to sort of give up a little bit of that knowing that that tenant's going to be there for a long time as opposed yeah. to chasing that startup business at a seven percent the other good one is service stations with like the kind of foodery that's attached and we both know someone whose dad has got numerous service stations both here on the coast and mm. also in queensland hey brad i mentioned this to the boys earlier and I got a couple of blank stares. I'm hoping you can elaborate on this. Will there be a ripple effect with Silicon Valley Bank going under in the US? Because we're talking hundreds of billions of dollars. And this started out as a community bank. So have you followed this story? Yeah, I have. Um, I guess it's going to come on, you know, come down to who's had investments with them, who's deposited with them, things of that nature. So it does, it does feel a little bit far from us to cop a ripple effect on the Central Coast locally but in general yeah there, there will be ripple effects through the commercial world in you know in the australian markets as in if someone has an attachment to them or has investments over there or or anything of that nature but i i think that's going to be more the bigger the bigger players the bigger sydney markets that that may have some attachment on the central coast and for our market i, I don't expect it no now, Brad, some of the figures you've been coming through and working with, some of the sales that have happened in Sydney, any standout highlights throughout that market? Well, there has. Uh, I was sharing some info with you this morning, Rob, that um, the, the boys down at One Commercial, Ben Byford and, um, and Arlen Domingo down there, they're doing some great work. Um, they were good enough to share with me that um, I know that in December they, they got away uh, probably $95 million to an owner-occupier. <laughs> you don't see them too too often, that's for sure. Um, so that's it. They've, they're still saying that the owner occupier market down there is still very, very strong in in commercial and industrial. So if you can get your hands on the stock, um, they're, they're getting some tremendous results. So tell us what kind of sites worth ninety five million dollars this year. Well, that one was apparently, and I haven't seen the site myself. Yeah, you know, down there, and um, uh, but just going off what they've shared with me, it was a two point three hectare site, um, which was the previously the Foxtel Studios. So, yeah, I'm not too familiar with all the ins and outs of the building, but um, it's fair to say the boys were very happy to share the news. All right, final question for you, Brad. What effect have we seen with these interest rate increases over the last 12 months upon the commercial sector? Okay, so um, as, as Matt touched on before, so we are seeing the yields soften a little bit. So we're even nationals, like some of the Burgess Rawson auctions that are really strong where, you, where they sell the, the fast foods and the uh, service stations sort of on a regular basis. Yeah, you've seen childcare, self uh, sorry, childcare, fast food and uh, service stations. They're still fairly strong. The yields, you know, they were getting down to 3.9% yields on service stations and 25 in childcare. We're not seeing that as much. It is winding out you know, to probably more the fours and fives and then anything not quite at that level, as we said with that, sort of the sixes. And I think if there's if there's anything that we'd call B grade or C grade stock, so it might be local stock that is um, not great location and um, not great tenants in the scheme of a, a national tenant and not great security. Yeah, that might wind up to seven, seven and a half. Whereas, um, uh, as an example, we've we've got an auction that we're just about to post. Um, uh, Mark Davies from our office. He's got an institution coming that is um, when I say institution, it's Tom and Pam's food. That anyone who's been anywhere around Campbell, Gorican. Tukley, they'll know this place. It's been there forever in a day. We expect something like that on a five-year lease. That'll pull probably 6% flat. So locally, 6% for really good stock. Uh, nationally, a little bit lower for great stock. Uh, anything less than that standard is going to start blowing out a little bit. 
Yeah, so much gold in there, Brad. Mate, thanks so much. And I think if you're out and about and you're thinking about doing some investing um, in the commercial space, re-listen to this and maybe just jot down some notes because there's some some key numbers there that you really need to know before you start shopping around. Um, Mate, enjoy your time over in the US. Very, very jealous. And um, yeah, enjoy the Bud Lights. Happy holidays. Thank you, guys. Look forward to it. I'll talk to you when we come back. So, Brad Rogers, uh, you can see why he's one of our favourite guests. Absolutely outstanding. Any final words, Rod? I just love it when somebody joins us primed and prepped for their three-week holiday. Sharpie? Yeah, as I said before, mate, just some gold in there. Um, If you have any sort of interest around the commercial space, I suggest you re-listen to that little segment there and just get your pen out because... yeah, you mentioned some things around strength of lease, obviously some yields that you should be targeting and also the type of tenants that you should be looking for when you're kind of looking for that investment. Hey, by the way, just want to say a huge thank you. We're not top 10, we're not top 20, but we are charting on the investment podcast charts. And I uh, just want to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. That is episode 51, done and dusted. We'll catch you again soon. <laughs>